Annuities, the good, the bad, the ugly. And welcome to the 21st episode of the Retire Early, Retire Now podcast. I'm your host, Hunter Kelly, owner of Palm Valley Wealth Management. And this podcast helps high-earning families and pre-retirees put their monies where their values are. And if this is your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. Leave a five-star review and share this with a friend. I release these episodes every Tuesday morning. So be on the lookout for episodes in the future. Today, we are going to talk about all things annuities. We'll jump into some general information here first. We'll talk about the good things about annuities, the bad things, and the ugly things. And so just to give you a little bit of background and how I've dealt with annuities in the past. So when I first got into the industry, I worked for a broker-dealer for about six or seven years before starting Palm Valley Wealth Management. I dealt with annuities all the time, whether that is clients coming in with annuities, not knowing what they are or how they work or what they should do with them, or if we were selling them to clients. So I'm very well versed in the different products. I thought this would be a good topic to cover for those people that are getting ready to retire, or maybe they have been pitched an annuity recently from an advisor they were um, interviewing and didn't know if that was the correct recommendation. So just to give you some more information to help you make a better decision. And if you do have an annuity or you're not sure about your situation, go ahead and hop on my website, palmvalleywm.com and schedule a call. And I would be happy to talk about your specific situation on whether you need one, whether it's a good fit for you, or if you should go a different route. And so those are all things that we do at Palm Valley Wealth Management is helping work through those different types of problems. Annuities. There are generally three types of annuities. There is a fixed annuity, fixed index annuity, and variable annuity. And so they all kind of work a little bit differently. But what an annuity is just an insurance product where an insurance carrier is going to have you put your money, whether that be retirement money or what we call non-qualified or after-tax dollars, into this account that uh, basically has insurance wrapped around it, and it's going to take away some sort of risk. So if you think about life insurance or property and casualty insurance, like home insurance, they are taking risk off the table when you buy that insurance, right? So if it's home insurance, you're taking the risk of if my house burns down, the insurance company will pay me some sort of benefit to help rebuild that house, right? So the same thing is happening here with annuities. We're going to take some sort of risk off the table. And if that risk were to happen, the insurance carrier is on the hook for that risk. Some risks that can be taken off the table with annuities. Loss of principal. Sometimes people will put money into fixed annuities because fixed annuities will say, okay, well, we're not going to put you totally in the market. We'll give you some sort of guaranteed return, but there is 0% chance of you losing any principal of what you put in, right? And so if you put $100,000 into that fixed annuity, you're going to, at the very least, have $100,000 when you go to take that money out. The next thing that you would be able to kind of take the risk off the table is guaranteed income. So a lot of people buy annuities, whether that be 
immediate annuities where you put a hundred thousand lump sum and then they guarantee you income right away for the rest of your life or some sort of term, they will say, okay, we're going to pay you 5% of that hundred thousand for the rest of your life. And so now you don't have to worry about the market fluctuating sequence of returns, things of that nature, you know, for the rest of your life, you're getting that $5,000, right? And then in some cases, they can take away liability risk. So just like IRAs, there are some creditor protections and things of that nature. So some people will use annuities to protect those assets from creditors in particular situations. So those are some general areas where the insurance company can say, hey, this annuity will take this particular risk off the table. Now, let's go back to the three types of annuities, fixed annuities, fixed index, and variable. And how do they work? So a fixed annuity is going to be, okay, I give you $100,000 insurance company, and you're going to guarantee me some sort of rate. And a lot of times they'll give you like a teaser rate. They'll say, okay, in the first year, we're going to give you 5% interest guaranteed on this. And then you'll have to renew every year potentially. And that guaranteed rate that they're going to give you every year that renews will be based off interest rates. So the last couple of years, as rates have risen, those those rates have probably increased. But when we were at lowest all-time rates um, here three, four years ago, those rates continued to drop, and the fixed annuities were not as fruitful as they may be now, right? And so um, these particular products, these fixed annuities, work a lot like CDs, except for the term of the annuity may be longer. It could be a five-year period or a 10-year period where you have to keep that money in without having penalty of taking that money out. So you just have to be aware of, well, how long do I need to keep this money in here to get the full rate of return that they're going to guarantee me on this particular annuity? The next type of annuity is called a fixed index annuity. So again, the insurance company is going to take the risk of generally the loss of principal off the table Sometimes you will have some annuities that you, you can potentially have some loss in a fixed index, but then your return is going to be, your upside will be more. Generally with fixed index, you're, you're tracing an index like the S&P or the NASDAQ or, or something of that nature. And as the S&P goes up, you're going to either have some sort of participation rate. So if you have a 50% participation rate, you may be getting half the return of what the S&P would do. So if it did 20% in a given year, you would receive 10%. Or they may give you some caps and floors, right? The floor may be zero, so you don't lose money, but your cap may be 8%. So if the S&P does 25%, you would get 8%. You can see where... Yes, that can be good because we can mitigate some loss, but if we have a handful of years with some really good returns, you may be out quite a bit of uh, potential earnings there because you're capped at the 8% or what have you. And then the next thing would be a variable annuity. So you'll have what's called sub-accounts within this variable annuity. So you put your 100000 in, and these sub-accounts are essentially just mutual funds. So you can allocate them to your risk tolerance and your objective, um, and then it'll grow with the market. And so a lot of times with these fixed index and these variables, you can add on what's called a income rider, like we talked about just a minute ago, where they will guarantee a certain amount of income each year. And then if the market outperforms 
their guarantee, then they'll give you a bump up in that that guaranteed income. But as we'll talk about here in just a little bit, it can get confusing really quick. And so what, what I think about annuities sometimes, especially from someone that doesn't live it day to day and, and hasn't studied it very often, it's almost like if you're listening to a NASCAR driver after a race talk about the adjustments they made to their car and all this and that. And if you're not a, a guru and you don't know a lot about turning wrenches and, and fixing cars, then it seems really confusing, right? There's all these widgets and wrenches and, and this and that just to get it right. I, I find that annuities are a lot like cars where um, they do a lot of the same things, but if you're driving Mercedes versus a Honda, it's going to look and feel a lot different, right? If you're not well-versed in it, it can be very confusing. We'll talk about that a little bit here in just a second. But And so you have your fixed, your fixed index, and your variable, and they all have different purposes. Generally, the variable is more for income um, or some growth. Fixing index is like, hey, I want some growth, maybe some potential income, but I want to mitigate loss a little bit. And then fixed is like, hey, I don't want to lose anything. I don't really care about the upside. I just want to make sure that my principal is there no matter what. Let's talk about the good news first because annuities get a lot of bad press, rightfully, because a lot of times advisors don't use them properly. But there can be good use cases for annuities. And so the biggest thing that I found that has been helpful is helping clients that are um, potentially in a spot where their rate of withdrawal is maybe exceeding what would be a healthy rate of withdrawal. And so what you can do is you can use these annuities that maybe have a bloated guarantee. So something like a 6% income off the amount that you put into the annuity. So if you put $100,000 in there, they may guarantee 6% income for the rest of their life, things of that nature. And so you can use this to leverage the distribution rate that you are going to take off their portfolio. And so having that guaranteed income, one, gives them a peace of mind that no matter what the market does, I'm going to get this 6% and I know that I can live off of this, right? And then if they are in a variable annuity, they have the potential if the market outperforms, they have the potential to continue to increase that guarantee depending on the type of uh, contract that they get into, right? Um, the next thing that can be good is deferred taxes, right? So if for whatever reason, the money that you have in that annuity is not IRA money, then you will still get the deferred tax growth within that annuity until you start taking distributions. So for someone that has a high income and doesn't necessarily want to spit off taxes every year, this could be a potential strategy for you to mitigate taxes in the, in the short term so that when your income comes down and you start taking distributions off of this annuity, it may be at a lower rate. And so you just have to be very careful with that type of strategy because it's not like a Roth IRA. It's more like a traditional IRA where you're going to be, that growth is going to be counted as ordinary income. And so, and, and because of its annuity, the rule is, hey, any growth um, has to be taken out first. So you'll have a basis. So if you put $100,000 in, you'll have a basis of $100,000. But let's say you have that annuity for 10 years and it grows to $200,000. Well, that first $100,000 is going to be counted as growth as you take distributions. And then once you get back to your basis, then um, you would be able to kind of mitigate those taxes because you've already paid taxes on that, that money. And so you just have to be careful with that deferred tax growth strategy there. Oh, and in some scenarios, you can get that asset protection. If you're in a litigious type 
career where there's potential for you to get sued and things of that nature, or maybe you have creditor problems potentially, um, having money in an annuity can potentially give you creditor protection to avoid uh, having to pay creditors, right? So let's jump into the bad news. The bad news is generally these annuities or annuities in general have high fees. If you're talking about fixed and fixed index, a lot of times the advisor will say, hey, there's no cost to these annuities. And they're not necessarily lying. There is no cost, but you're losing out potentially on opportunity cost. Again, if you put these your dollars into these particular fixed annuities or fixed index annuities, you're going to be capped on the amount of growth that you will have because the insurance company has to cover their butt too. If you're capped at 8% every year on the S&P that you're tracking in your fixed index annuity and the S&P over that time did 12% each year, well then you necessarily didn't pay a fee but you lost out on that opportunity to receive the full rate of that return, right? So if you look at it that way, then you say, okay, well, what am I really paying for this annuity? And am I okay with potentially giving up 3 4 5% of rate of return to mitigate this downside in some way, whether that's 0% loss or buffering the loss, whatever the case may be. And if you're okay with that, then that's good. If it keeps you invested longer and increases your overall rate of return because you're not selling at the wrong points or getting into cash, whatever the case may be, that may be a good point there. And then if you move over to variable annuities, they generally have three types of fees. They usually have what's called an M&E fee, which is just like the base, this is just the base fee that you have for having the annuity. And that can run anywhere from half a percent to one and a half percent, depending on what company you have, what type of annuity it is. And then you have your rider fee, if you want to have guaranteed income on that particular annuity, that's going to cost the insurance company something because they, they have to mitigate that risk. They have to make that up somehow. So they'll have a rider fee. And generally, the rider fee to get guaranteed income is, again, somewhere between 1% and 2%. So on the high end, you're already pushing to 2.5% in fees before you even get to the, the mutual fund or the sub-account fees, right? And so a lot of times I saw variable annuities two and a half, three percent in fees. And so when you think about long-term growth, you're having to break even at three percent rate of return every year just to start making money on on your money in that particular situation. And so if the income is is very important and is a uh, big objective of what you're doing, it may make sense to pay that three percent. But if you're not going to use that income or you're unsure about if you need the benefits of this annuity, paying two and a half, three percent for this annuity, you really have to give that thought about what you want to do with that particular money that you're setting aside for this objective, right? And so what I saw often is that advisors would put clients into these annuities when they're 55, they've left a job and they're going to a new job, they have a rollover, they put it into this annuity and they say, okay, well, we're going to get a a guaranteed increase for 10 years and then they're going to guarantee a certain amount of income and then they go on 10 years and then they don't use this income and so the 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 issue i have with some of these annuities is that we don't know what our objective is going to be in 10 years and i talk about this all the time think about your life five years ago think about what it looks like now 
and they probably look very different, right? And so we don't know what our objective is. So if you're going for um, more income-based type annuity, the, cl the closer you are to needing that income is probably the better on like knowing if you're going to use that annuity or not. Because if you're 10 years out, you don't know how the market's going to perform. You don't know if you're actually going to retire. Things change. You don't know if you're going to retire earlier. There's so many variables that you can't predict. And so locking yourself in, because uh, another bad thing about uh, annuities is you have what's called surrender periods, which we'll talk about in a second. But you're going to lock yourself in from either five to 10 years and and you're not able to really change without paying a significant fee, right? I would be very cautious about putting money into some sort of annuity where you think you're going to get income in the future when that future is well over five years, right? Because now you're paying for something that you're not necessarily going to use right away. And then you don't, you don't really know if you're going to, you think you're going to use it, but you're not a hundred percent sure because again, things change over that time period. The next bad thing about annuities that I don't like about annuities is that you do have that surrender period. So that can be anywhere from five to 10 years. Generally, I've seen seven is the, the most common. You can sometimes pay extra to get rid of that surrender fee. But again, now you're just adding on more fees. So you have to get a better return to get, to get back to zero. So just be aware that, okay, if I'm putting this money in, I know that there's going to be some sort of charge if I need to get it out. That charge can be upwards of 10%. So if you put $100,000 in and a year later, you want to get that money out, it may cost you $10,000 to get that money out. And so as, as those years go by, that fee will go down. And so um, that's just a way for the annuity company to compensate the agent that sold it because these particular products have commissions that they got to pay out and so on and so forth. So that's a way for them to recover that money. But you just have to be aware, hey, if I get into this product, how long do I have to be in it before I'm not paying penalties to get out, right? The next thing that I don't like about annuities, it's just an IRS rule. It's not necessarily insurance or industry rule, but there's no step up in basis. So what that means is, so like if you just open up a brokerage account and you bought bunch of stocks or mutual funds, whatever, and you pass away and it goes to your heirs, it's likely that they're going to get a step up in basis. So let's say you put $100,000 into the stock market and it grows to $250,000 over your lifetime. And then your son and your daughter inherit that money. Well, it's likely that they will get a step up in basis and it will be like they bought it at $250,000. So they, if they sold it right away, they're in minimal movement in the market. Well, they owe little to no taxes on those particular holdings. Whereas if you did the same thing and you bought it within side of annuity, they would owe income tax on the $150,000 worth of growth in there. And so um, these are not very efficient vehicles to help uh, heirs inherit money. Um, so just be cognizant of that. If you're purchasing the annuity, I would not purchase it to leave it to your kids. I would purchase it for something else that the insurance company can do better, whether that is mitigate loss, give you guaranteed income, creditor protection, whatever the case may be. And one other thing about cost basis, if you put this theoretical $100,000 in this contract and you say, oh, I don't really need the annuity, and let's say you wait the seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years to get rid of that surrender period, 
that money grows significantly. So from a hundred to 150 or 200,000, and then you want to move it over to the brokerage account, you're going to owe taxes on that growth. And that's going to be ordinary income. So that's just something you need to consider when you start putting after tax dollars into annuities is that it is not very tax favorable when you start taking distributions, whether that's your kids or heirs inheriting that money or you taking that money out as distributions or just moving it to some sort of brokerage account to manage it differently for a different objective. The next rule that um, is not necessarily a bad thing, but can be a negative thing if you need the money sooner than your 59 and a half. And that is the same rules that apply to retirement accounts apply to annuities. So if you put money into annuity, uh, generally you're not really going to have access to it until you are 59 and a half without penalty, right? And so you just have to consider, is this money more long, if you're not close to 59 and a half, is this money more long-term money or is it short-term money? And if it's short-term money, then definitely you do not need, you do not need to start taking that money out for distributions. You need to leave it in there or just not do the annuity in general. So just keep that in mind. Annuities do have the 59 and a half distribution rule. So let's talk about the ugly. The ugly is the human factor, right? The advisors that use these improperly. Like I said, oftentimes uh, I would see advisors do reviews with some annuities they sold or potential clients would come in and they've had these annuities for a long time and they don't necessarily fit the objective of what they need it to do in the time that they bought them. So they may have bought them 10 years ago because they were going to use them for income but they don't need the income anymore. Yes, I think the advisor was probably doing what they thought was best at the time, but at least in my anecdotal research is they didn't need the income more often than not. And so why are we paying these two, two and a half, sometimes 3% fees on these annuities when we're not going to use the benefits that they give us, right? So we just have to be really cognizant of why am I purchasing this annuity? What risk am I wanting to take off the table Is that risk going to be a risk when I get to the age that I think I need it? So am I going to need that guaranteed income when I'm 65 or 70 years old? Or are my assets going to grow in such a way because I'm saving properly or the market did well, whatever number of factors, is it is my net worth going to grow in a way that I don't necessarily need the, the guaranteed income because my assets are high enough that my withdrawal rate is going to be healthy and the risk of me running out of money is very low, right? Those are things that you need to consider. The other thing is that a lot of times these annuities have very high upfront commissions, right? And so that can cloud the judgment of advisors. And again, there's a lot of good advisors out there, but there are a lot of people that go, okay, I have a client that has a million dollars and if I put $500,000 of this million dollars into this annuity, I'm gonna get a $35,000 paycheck, right? You just have to be cognizant and say, hey, like I understand that you're, you're wanting me to do this annuity. I kind of get it. But what is your compensation from this? Like, what's the real motive for doing this? And and if they're getting the $35,000 up front, you really got to consider, is the annuity the best thing for me, right? I've seen people try to force annuities because they know that they're going to get paid that, that commission. And like I've talked about in previous episodes, also ask them what 
type of advisor they are. Are they fee-only? Are they fee-based? Are they insurance-based? And if they're fee-based, then they probably have the ability to use other methods to help you with your financial goals and things of that nature where they don't necessarily need to use annuities. And if they're insurance-based, the only option they may have is that annuity. If that's the case, if if most of their income is coming from commission-based products, then you may want to interview someone else that has the repertoire of potential products or solutions that will fit your needs better versus just trying to hammer in an annuity because that's what they have and they need to get the business, right? So just just be aware of that. Find At the end of the day, find someone that you trust that is going to um, look at your situation from a 30,000-foot view and then dive in and do what's in, in your best interest, right? <clears throat> that is the uh, overview of annuities, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, if you have specific questions about your situation, maybe you have an annuity, maybe you were pitched an annuity recently, hop onto my website, schedule a call with me. I would love to just review it with you. Maybe it is a, a good thing that you have the annuity given your situation. Maybe it's not and you need to go look somewhere else. I'd be happy to have that conversation with you. If it, Again, if it's your first time listening, go ahead and subscribe to this podcast on your favorite place to listen to podcasts. Leave a five-star review and share this with a friend. Again, these episodes come out every Tuesday morning, and we'll see you in the next one. This podcast is for educational purposes only. This is not financial advice. This is not investment advice. This communication should not be relied upon as a sole factor in an investment making or financial planning decision. If you would like help, please seek a financial, tax, legal, or insurance professional. Please keep Palm Valley Wealth Management in mind when making those considerations.